This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to the 2.1 cast. I'm Neil Murray, a very husky Neil Murray this week. Very husky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could say it was sexy, but I'm pure Flemmy over here, pure Alexander Fleming. Um, how, you do, how are you guys doing, Stefan and James? Uh, better than you. Yeah, I mean, I don't sound like the picture of health, do I? Or the, or the sound of health either. Yeah, we should have put you in the other room, James, and I go and walk away from this with a cold or something. I know, I'm here, by the way, you're joking about it, but... Uh, Stuck yeah. in a bubble through a mic in and then hope for the best. That's it, just under the table. Uh, <laughs> hi, how are you? Good weekend, yeah? Yeah, lovely, sunny, gorgeous day and a, a lovely bank holiday in the Costa del Clyde. Costa del Clyde, <laughs> love it. Uh, what about yourself, James? Yeah, had breakfast in the park the other day, it was quite nice. Really? Yeah. Once you wake up there. Uh, <laughs> 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 Who told you? <laughs> I had, I had, I had dinner in the park actually on Saturday, uh, which was a pack of crisps and some uh, beer. To you, two, you two are living your best life. <laughs> I was like right back to my student days. I was like, I was thoroughly enjoying it. That's class, man. Uh, and obviously, football the weekend, football tonight as well as we uh, yeah, record this. Yeah, watching the Rangers, uh, Aberdeen Rangers game as yeah. we speak. A lot uh, going on. What did I? What, I took in the Thistle game on Friday, which was just the. Oh, most... did you go? No, I watched it on telly. Oh, you watched it. Okay. I was, I was, I was going to go, but then I. Last minute, so I've not. And I'm really glad I didn't because it was, it was a dreadful game. Yeah, football. it was utterly awful. <laughs> Um, well, that's going to lead in perfectly to, uh, <laughs> to the subject matter of this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the general health of the Scottish Premiership and particularly how, how good, I think, uh, well, a position the Scottish Premiership uh, finds itself in at the moment. Uh, it's a good time to be a Scottish football fan, particularly if you're a club uh, or a supporter of a Premiership club uh, or St Mirren who are on their way up. Uh, we're going to talk about like lots of different things today, the split tendencies, finances in general, TV deals. Uh, and also just why we've enjoyed this season and what there is to look forward to to next season. Um, I mean, again, we're talking about the football, the football on tonight. I think one of the things is there's just so much to play for. But before we get to that is, let, let's talk first of all, James, you wrote something this week on, on the split and, and why it's a good thing. I mean, this comes probably after about a month that I bulldozed through Neil Doncaster for his, for his handling of it. But can I out, maybe outline to the listeners and just generally your opinion on why the split's a, a good thing and particularly why it's been a good thing this season, perhaps? Well, and what it does is it guarantees like big games among, amongst teams who are in similar positions. So if you've got teams at the bottom of the table, they're going to have to play each other. Teams at the top of the table, they're going to have to play each other. It means that if you're in a position where, say, you're Celtic, you're going to the league. Okay, bad example because they're going to win the league anyway. But you know, you have to. It means in your running, you need to play the best of the best sides in the division. Like you know, that's the surely the ultimate test of a mm. of a squad sort of collective like will to win and their uh, their overall general ability like and it really sh- think it's great that when the heat's on and, you know you've got you're playing against your rivals knowing that they're also playing against other teams who are around about the same place like it's great just you know like everyone's been measured by the same yardstick and that is like the best of the best mm. and at the end of that if you can come out of that on top then you're you deserve to win i think at that point you know and it makes it really exciting because if you compare it to things like england where there's been nothing to play for for weeks like Serie has been yeah it's not been too bad you know, but then the Bundesliga as well, La, La Liga, like they've all just been pretty much everything's been sewn up for weeks and weeks now, and it's very hard to find like a properly competitive game, and yet we're getting them every week, like sometimes twice, three times a week at the moment. It's great, yeah. And I think it's something that doesn't get said often enough. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed your article and I thought it was spot on. And it's actually something that I was, I was speaking to a few other people uh, on Twitter about it actually during the week, actually, um, about, you know, I think there's maybe, I mean, again, this might just be a kind of Twitter bubble thing, which I'm, I can happily admit, but I do feel like over the last kind of month or so, people have kind of started like slowly but surely kind of come around to the idea that this is actually quite a lot of fun, you know. And, Jay, and Neil actually wrote an article criticising, uh, you know, the SPFL for the handling of the split simply because it was like it was an opportunity missed in the sense that, you know, you had all but maybe two teams. I think the only teams that weren't really that baller who had already kind of decided what was going on by the time the split came in were maybe Motherwell and St. Johnson. But every other team in the league were like, we need to know what the fixtures are. I need to know, I'm desperate to know what's going on with my team, things like that. Even Celtic, they, need, they want to know when they're playing Rangers, things like that. And it was this huge hype. It was almost like, you know, like how in England they claimed to go crazy about the first round of the FA Cup, for example, sort of thing. Or, you know, in other leagues, in, in other divisions and stuff. And the SPFL just kind of fumbled about with it and they were like, oh, well, you know. Well, can you imagine if it was in America? It'd be some kind of mad draft. When, it like, would. You'd have right. Doncaster at a plinth and you all would. the managers at the It'd be all down the Hilton in the town or something. Exactly. And, and like, yeah. they'd, make, they'd make, like, it'd be ridiculous. But also, <laughs> I think I'd love it. Like, uh, WWE have a draft every year and I watch that that's probably says more about me than anybody else but <laughs> I mean I think my big thing was and we were told by a couple of people we know at work at clubs that they were given 20 minutes notice yeah. before the fixtures went out on Twitter and that is just unacceptable uh, I mean as you say fans is, is just as important they were really angry because they've got to make travel plans plan ahead some of these trips like I think Kilmarnock had to go to Aberdeen on a Friday night or maybe it was Hearts had to go to Kilmarnock on a Friday night the trips are really hard to organise if you're going to get to the other end of the country or like from east to west or north to south or whatever but for the clubs to know 20 minutes before it's going out to everybody else is just absolutely not on and that's it you're not going to win any friends doing that yeah uh, and again that comes back to this that's not really an argument that's not really a criticism of the concept no it's, not it's at the all ex- it's the execution of it exactly, which has been yeah. the fault um I know, and we'll probably go on to continue bashing the SPFL with this podcast, actually, uh, in this particular episode. But in this particular point, I think what Neil wrote and what you wrote actually kind of fit in quite well because, you know, people, I think fans, even if they might not want to admit it, I think a lot of them, the fact is that we're now, what we're now, lit, well, we're literally in the middle of the second last match day of the season, I think I'm right in saying. Yes, yes. And everyone's still hugely interested in what's going on. Everyone in England's just about done with it. Everyone in Germany's done with it. Even the Champions League. Sure, it's great that Liverpool were there, but it's now kind of like, right, okay. Everything's completely winding down, but in Scotland, everyone's still going absolutely nuts for it. And I think that's huge. I mean, another thing that I was just kind of, when we decided to talk about this, actually, and one thing that kind of made me think about was one of the main criticisms of the setup of the Scottish Premiership is obviously that it's only 12 teams. The teams play each other a bazillion times every season. And... From a fan point of view, that's annoying because obviously if you are an Aberdeen fan, you'd probably rather not play uh, a random team at the Blue Motherwell, you know, five times a season. It'd be better if, you know, in theory, you open up to 18, 20 league team, uh, 20 league division, and then you have more variation, more away days, more teams, more, var- you know, it's in theory, that should offer a better product. However... I think there's an argument to be made that because these teams play each other so much through the season, uh, they're constantly bouncing off one another. You know, and one of the examples I'd probably use is, you know, the way like Motherwell, for example, they've had to, they kicked off really well at the start of the season. And then by around the time they got to the League Cup final, 
I mean, sure, a lot of us down to Celtic just hammering them over three consecutive games, kind of unfairly to an extent. Um, people kind of caught on to what they were doing. Uh, it's the same with Hearts, for example, the way they've been playing, to, and even Kilmarnock, the way that they and Aberdeen have kind of bounced off each other. In most leagues, for example, like Sam Ardice at Everton, he only gets two opportunities, probably unless he comes up against them in the Cup, like against Arsenal, for example. He gets two, two opportunities to figure out how to play an Arsenal team. And one of them's after he's played them already, and the other one might be an away match, in which case he has to kind of play defensive tactics, even if he doesn't get much choice about it. So I'm like Stephen Robinson, by the end of this season, will have played Tommy Wright St. Johnson four or five times. And even if Robinson is still a bit of a novice in terms of coaching, and particularly as a coach in Scotland, he'll have so much experience of playing that team that he'll have so much um, you know, data, and have so much analysis to be like, right, we know exactly how to play St. Johnson. And I think basically the point I'm making is that even though on paper, and maybe even just simply from experience from fans who go to the games every week, they might be fed up with it. But I actually think from a tactical and a coaching point of view, it's a really condensed melting pot. And you've actually got these you've got these clubs and these teams. And I think testament to that is the fact that they do continue to take points off each other. You don't have, aside from Celtic, and even they haven't been great this season in terms of being, you know, 100% across the board. Yeah. Um, you have these teams. Uh, in fact, even Celtic are a good example, actually. I mean, how quickly did the team... It only took one season for the rest of the Premiership to catch on to, you know, Scott Sinclair... Uh, you know, sometimes harassing Scott Brown if you can, mm-hmm. closing down on Dembele. Like yeah. a high press, like you look yeah. at Hearts when they beat the Invincibles, they probably saw Underlight do it yep. and did a high press. Like. Exactly, so I know I'm babbling now, but I think, I think that's an interesting point. It kind of fits in what you're saying about splitting stuff like that in the sense that we do have a kind of unique league and it has its downsides because there's lesser teams, but because the team's plates are so much and there's so much, you know, they're thrown together so often, I think it means that teams learn more off each other and... Yeah. Yeah, I think. Sorry, I'll let you speak in a minute, James. But like, um, I think <laughs> I know. I'm just like, just I'm, I've got something else to impart. But no, um, I think what Stefan says, our pieces don't necessarily contradict each other at all. I think. What, I wouldn't say so. I think what my my piece <clears> was like, I was raging because I think it was just a, actually ridiculous handling the situation. But I think it's because the split is a flawed concept, hundred percent. But at the same time, it throws up the potential for what is happening this season, which in particular for the second place battle is, and even the relegation battle to maybe a slightly lesser extent, but I think I wrote in the last article, I wrote in, I think it was Hibs Aberdeen, I was like, the best thing in European football right now is the battle for second place in Scotland, don't at me, because, because it is. <laughs> you um, literally wrote it on the article, yeah, don't I, at me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that was a joy to sub. Um, but I, I think it is, I mean, uh, the way it's looking right now, and I think it is full time, um, it looks like, yeah, so Rangers and Rangers and Aberdeen drew, uh-huh. which means that if Hibs win the Emirates Derby tomorrow, we could have a, a situation where Hibs beat Rangers, Aberdeen can't beat Celtic, and Hibs finish second. But anything, I mean, that that is literally last day on a Sunday, not even the Saturday on the Sunday. So it's, I mean, it's not a helicopter Sunday. Don't get me wrong, but it's probably the next best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah so great. yeah, yeah and I think I, and I think that's what you want. It's been and it's been like that since the split. Every fixture has had a meaning for at least three or four clubs um, and I think that's that's a great thing and it's given us another end with Derby as well um, and I think as you say my problem was they were missing opportunities like the old firm game like telling people in advance so um, you could get maybe as big a crowd as you could get uh, stuff like that but yeah so you, so you just going to pick up on the specific Aberdeen Rangers game that's a good example of where that's if you if you follow the narrative around Aberdeen Rangers that Aberdeen always cock it up when they play Rangers right 
that's not even true. Like, yeah, I know Aberdeen lost three games to Rangers, but you can that was because over the course of those three games, the Rangers were in the process of hiring their manager, you know? Um, and if you actually open that up to the last two seasons, uh, Aberdeen won two games last season. They've now got a draw. So that's over the case of, what, six games? Last six games, Rangers have won three, Aberdeen have won two, and there's been a draw. I think I'm right in saying that off the top of my head. So... Even within the narratives of these big clubs where one apparently has a psychological advantage, within this league in which so much bounces off each other, it's actually far more balanced than people will probably say. You know, so a lot can change very quickly and I love it about the premiership. I will let you speak now, James, sorry. If you have anything to add, but <clears throat> I was just gonna point out about this but I mean like one of the criticisms that comes to mind about it, which is I think pretty fair, is that yeah, some teams end up only maybe playing 18 home games in 20 away games. Yeah. But I think it's important to point out that the teams that this always happens to, it's teams that are, in the grand scheme of things, inconsequential in terms of the final league standings. I want to word that carefully. Cause I, don't, I, don't, I don't want anyone thinking I'm saying the club is inconsequential. I'm a, I'm a Arctic Pistol fan. I know. Slippery slope. I think you're spot on though, because as you but, say, like... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's like the likes of Prince's Hearts this season. They finished... They qualify for the top six. They had absolutely no chance of doing any better than that. Obviously, they can't do any worse. So at that point, if one team has to lose out, it makes sense that it should be them. Similarly, in the bottom half, I think Motherwell have maybe played an extra away game, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, that's just because, because they're in a position where it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like If they win, lose, or draw the rest of their games for the rest of the season, like, it doesn't really have much consequence in the final league table in terms of qualifying for Europe, avoiding relegation, win titles, whatever. Yeah. You know, these mid-table sides have got to be the first to say, to like have these games taken off them, I think. Well, that's it. Well, can you imagine like the titles decided because someone had their own advantage? It'd be like, <laughs> you mean, pitchforks? Exactly, or, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so it's, it's, it's not an ideal solution, but it is the, it's the lesser of two evils. Yeah, there, exactly. I think, it's but flawed, but... I think, I think it's a, I think it's fair. You know, I think no. that's, that's a criticism that's often like, levied against. So basically we're saying, let's all lay off the SPFL briefly. I mean, but I think that's to kind of put a wee bow on it. I think what we're arguing here is that it's very, it's very easy to have a go at the SPFL when something goes wrong, which is what we did. To be fair, and I think we should hold them accountable. Of course, I do. I think it's even perhaps even more important to like when things are going well. No one really knows. No, you don't notice when things are going according to plan. You just kind of get on with your day and you get you forget about it. What we're kind of saying is actually the split's a good thing. Premiership's been great this season, and yeah, the SPFL deserve credit for that. Yeah, just be slightly better organised. That's all I would say. I did see on the shambles. I stand by that. <laughs> uh, anyway, like uh, we'll move on maybe to let's go on to finances. We're happy to kind discuss that. I think um, were you going to discuss um, discuss finances, Stefan, in terms of TV deals, etc. There's a lot going on um, in terms of. Uh, well, we're doing a TV deal, aren't we? It's not going to happen in the looks of things at the moment, but we're, we're due something. I mean, yeah. Sky, also, there's been a lot of criticism of Sky this season. I mean, Sky... And pa- so. Yeah, and Sky... Not, I mean, this is the thing. I've seen quite a few tweets, and I completely agree with I think Pine Bopper will say something along the lines of um, Rodgers could win a back-to-back trebles next season, Gerrard's taking over the Rangers, uh, Steve Clark's got a resurgent Kilmarnock, there's Hibs who are reborn... Um, Aberdeen are getting a new stadium Motherwell in two cup finals um, Hearts are even though they're not in a great season they're superb at Tynecastle mm-hmm. um, essentially it's there to be sold um, Neil Doncaster it's his job to do that but it's also I think if you've got if you're PT or Sky it's also your job to do that, to that too so I think that's maybe what you're going to talk about I think um, Sky obviously should maybe more criticism than anybody else but yeah I mean yeah, we, we, just, we just actually 
as I said, kind of top of the show, we were going to praise the SPFL and now we're probably going to stick the knife in the bathroom. <laughs> um, and I, you know what, I feel like I should kind of quantify this. We should probably be a bit more specific with our threat, not threat, our criticism of Sky in the sense that I'm always quite, um, I'm always quite hesitant to criticise Sky without kind of putting in the qualifier that, you know, people always give them grief about the way they cover Scottish football and how limiting their coverage can be. And it's kind of worth pointing out that Sky have a team in Scotland, like an, a small editorial team who do their absolute best. And to the large extent, their hands are tied. They do what they can, but they're still kind of, they kind of have to still go along with whatever hap- whatever London says. As far yeah, as I, I mean, tell. they're not choosing that they get 15 minutes before a match. Exactly, you know, so... But, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's always room for, I guess, improvement, blah, 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 but I think it's important to say that, you know, it's not worth beating up the guys up here who are doing their best, the guys and girls, rather. Um, however, uh, there's no doubt that more money, um, the, the money that's been spent on the league probably should increase quite dramatically. Um, recently, we saw Sky just sign a new pro, a deal with Pro 14 for their league. Um, it's kind of similar sized league in terms of number of teams, things like that. Obviously, it's rugby, not football, but they signed a £30 million deal with Sky and I'm taking these numbers directly off. I think Richard Wilson and Doogie Wright were talking about this, so that's where I get my numbers. Quite happy to do that. Um, but we're, that's a league that gets about 8,000 8, attendances per match. The Premiership gets 15. And intriguingly enough, Pro 14's viewing figures on Sky are between twenty five and 30,000 per match. Uh, the Premiership averages about 100,000, 150,000. And then obviously that jumps up for like old farm games and things like that. And as things stand... They're paying thirty million for the rugby, and BT and Sky between them are paying nineteen million for the Scottish Premiership. So, if you if you base it on that, there's definitely room for more improvement. Uh, and of course, if you actually want to open it up and not just kind of base it on you know one sport to another, because I know that can be quite um, awkward. Um, earlier in the season, we actually looked at a report that UEFA bring out every season, which is called the Benchmark Report. And that's basically like a financial run-through of the top leagues in Europe, how much money they're making from this, that, and the next thing, blah, 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 blah. And Scotland's TV deal is the 16th out of the top 20 nations, which doesn't sound bad in the grand scheme of things, but we're behind countries like Romania, Denmark, Poland, and like I know there's more people in Poland than Romania, and more, more people means more money, blah, blah, blah. But in other benchmarks, we're ahead of those countries. Now, James, I think you'll go on to talk about tenancies, for example, later on commercial deals as well we're ahead of these countries in that respect but when it comes to the tv deal we're behind so if you want to break down the per capita or whatever um you can maybe make different arguments but i definitely think um if there's one thing we should be criticizing the spfl for it's that um they're probably not getting enough money into these tv deals yeah i mean i think it's i, I totally agree with everything you said i think we are getting so short to an extent and that i think it it is possible to have a better deal and it's absolutely the SPFL's responsibility to get that deal um, um, as I said yeah we're going to have a look at attendances and it's just you know generally the future is just looking pretty rosy for Scottish football I mean every single club in the Premiership bar one they've their attendances have increased this year compared to last season uh, in terms of even shame who hasn't Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd you don't have to. <laughs> that'd be St Johnston. No, no, no. I was going to say you don't have to, but if you do, the people in Perth won't be too happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah, eleven out of twelve clubs, you know, they're increasing 
in terms of the amount of aggregate gate receipts, so that's the amount of money that, that the entire league is bringing in every season, you know, in, term, in Europe, Scotland's actually 10th overall. So that's ahead of the likes of Portugal, Poland, Russia. So we're bringing in more money through the front, through the front doors, through the gates. And that's not per capita or per club. That's no, literally no, that's, total money. That's incredible. That's when you the size of just think about the Scottish Premiership makes more money from ticket sales than Russian football. Yeah, or a league that's got Porto, Benfica, and Sporting. Exactly. Yeah, that's incredible. incredible. Yeah. So, like you know, the building blocks are there. Um, in terms of the or sort of overall fin- finances. In terms of the percentage of our growth increase, mm. we're fifth in Europe overall. So again, like that's the rate at which we're gaining, the rate at which we're gaining money essentially. We're fifth in Europe overall against that. So like again, like we are improving. Like we're going in the right direction. The clubs are doing their best. Now it's up to the organisation, the SPFL. The guys in grey suits. Yeah, it's, now it's up to them. Okay, like, we're doing our part. The clubs are doing their part. Same for them to do their part now. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably worth just to kind of. St- kind of fit that back in with what I was saying about the TV deals. One kind of silver lining to the fact that we don't make much money off the TV deal is that if you look across all of Europe, the Scottish Premiership's actually one of the least reliant on TV money, which obviously is because we don't make as much money from TV money. However, it's worth pointing out that I think I'm right in saying that almost all the clubs in the top division are profitable, uh, except for maybe Dundee and obviously Rangers who claim that they're purposely make running at a loss. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that the financial health of the, of the clubs in the league is quite is actually quite, it's, it's a hell of a lot better than it used to be. And not only that, but we're doing that all with much less reliance on TV money. Obviously, as we all know, back in the SP, SPL days, even before that, um, there was something of a bubble that burst money that was there was no longer there and it caused all sorts of problems. Tory energy flow. Exactly, things like that. And I think the clubs have learned a lesson from that, not just because they want to, but because they've been kind of forced in the sense that TV deals haven't been there, obviously what happened with Satanta, things like that. Um, so of all the money, of, of all the, if you take, if you had all the money all the clubs in the, in the Premiership have, you put into one big pot, only only uh, 13% of that comes from broadcasting deal. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's a fraction. To put that into context, you know, 51% of all that, or 51% of Italy's pot comes from TV deal, 46 per, 46% from England's, Portugal, for example, is 33%, Turkey's 39%, things like that. So it's obviously you can be like, well, those countries have their act together, they have proper TV deals. Yeah, that's right. But you can also flip the coin and be like, it's actually kind of precarious the way that English clubs are so reliant on TV deals. I think I saw a report actually this week that some of the clubs in the Premier League, like their... It was Bournemouth, I'm pretty sure. You, yeah. I mean, you posted it. Yeah, like act, 80% of the revenue or something. higher than that, honestly. 70, 80% of the revenue comes directly from the TV deals, which is just bonkers, you know? So... Well, if you had another ITV Digital or a Satanta thing, those exactly. clubs are down the tubes. Yeah. And we're not just kind of fear-mongering here. A lot of people have started suggesting that uh, the amount of money that Sky... Or the amount of money the Premier League will make from domestic... From the domestic deal with Sky and BT... It's kind of hit a ceiling. Some people are expecting it not to get any higher. So, anyway, the point I'm making is that, um, you know, we've got the richest league in the world next door, but the way that they've run their finances is a little it's a little precarious. And if we want to put a silver lining on the fact that we don't make as much money from TV deals, it is worth saying most of our clubs don't rely on it. So, if, God forbid, you know, 
one day Sky and BT, like Satanta did, said we can't afford to pay anymore, there wouldn't be that great Armageddon moment again. So that's a good sign, I think. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think that we should maybe just talk about what we've enjoyed this season. Um, we've got a few minutes left. I mean, James, I'll let you start. I think I think there's been a lot to kind of enjoy this season. Even though Celtic maybe ran away with the league, I think it's been, the season is a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, the, the league's been a lot more competitive, I think. Um, obviously, I think Steve Clark's turnaround at Kilmarnock's been, like, that's been probably the standout. That's been my standout thing from this season in that I've never seen such a dramatic change in a, in a club's fortunes in the SP, in the Scottish Premiership before. Almost, it's, it's all the sky talk it's getting to. <laughs> 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 Almost threw my coffee mug at you. <laughs> I, it's been, I think it's been such a good season in the fact that, yeah, you've had stuff like that. You've had Robinson at Motherwell again. Um, yeah, they finished bottom six, but the, the, the two cup finals, the first one, they gave a really good showing. This is also, they've made that Scottish Cup final and the League Cup final knocking out good teams. Uh, they lost their best player in January. They've bounced back from that. Um, I think we go, we, talk, we say nearly every episode of this because it ties in with nearly everything we talk about. But the, the league has improved and it's meant that if you don't improve with it, you fall back. You look at St Johnston, you look at Thistle. Yeah, sorry, James. that's very true. Like, uh, but it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. such a tough league. And I also think we've talked about it on the podcast again, uh, how Scotland's become... A very good place to go and play your trade as a young player, as a manager. And I mean, yeah, it didn't work out for him. But um, oh my God, I've been totally blank on the Ross County manager. It's that own coil, right? At one point with own coil, uh, ex Premier League, we had Brendan Rodgers, we had Steve Clark, um, Neil Lennon's uh, uh, done so well this season. Well, Craig yeah, Levine, next national team, Derek McKinnon. Exactly. I mean, you look at the managers here, uh, and Jack, as you see, Jack Ross coming up. Even David Hopkins has done a great job down there. It's, it's a great place to kind of apply your trade as a coach or come and use it as a rehab. Uh, I was at the Hibs press conference today, and Brandon Barker, obviously Man City mm. young player. He he was really honest. He's like, I'm, he's, he said when I came to the Hibs training centre, I said I wasn't expecting much at all. But he said it's the perfect place to come as a young player and develop. He said he would, he would happily come back. Obviously, it's out with his his kind of uh, his hands. Yeah. But he said he was really impressed with Scotland in general in terms of he became a man here. Uh, the training, the actual kind of coaching he's received as well. So it's not just that he's come up like you in the lower league to be man play against men. He's actually learned a lot, and I suppose you would off Neil Lennon. But uh, it's I think Scotland uh, it's, it's definitely a good time for the game, particularly in the top top league. Yeah, I think I mean ultimately it just comes down to the fact that it's really enjoyable on and off the pitch. Um, <laughs> on the pitch, you have a number of clubs who have very distinct styles of play and formations and tactics you have I mean we've talked about this probably a number of times in the podcast when we talk about those clubs specifically but Celtic play a certain way Aberdeen play a certain way Hibs play a certain way Hearts play a certain way even Rangers on the green Marty played a very attacking gung-ho kind of way which is undoubtedly entertaining you know I'm pretty sure they still have more goals on the league table than Celtic for example and um, Motherwell play a certain way a lot of people don't like it I find it fascinating St Johnston used to maybe they've been under a wee bit of stumble this season under Tommy Wright, but so it's not you're not just it's not just twelve teams with you know sticking out eleven guys every week and they just bumble into each other and I think that's sometimes the Scottish Premiership kind of gets um, I guess branded as similar to the English lower leagues where you get a lot of clubs who have coaches who come and go it's fire sale every summer and it really is just almost about athleticism and passion and things like that and I think a lot of people think. Oh, well, Scottish Premiership doesn't have much money, so it must be the same. It's complete. I don't think it's anything like that. It's it's a league in which most clubs have been very sensible with their finances. Most clubs have been very sensible with their managers, 
And we've now got, especially in the top six, we've now got at least four teams who have very clear ideas of what they are, the type of managers. And those managers have been given the opportunity to properly build squads. And that's all you really want in football. Yeah. It doesn't really matter if you're spending 500 million on a player, 500,000 on a player. If you have coaches who know what they're doing and they can build a certain style and tactics and stuff, you can build narratives around it, like genuine narratives and fans can get excited about it. And I think that's what we've had. That's why we have Easter Road, Tynecastle, um, Ranger, uh, Ibrox, Celtic Park, Pataudry to an extent. I Aberdeen struggled to sell Pataudry, but it's still been a fantastic season. And on top of that, as we just mentioned, you've got this race for second place, in which case McInnes and Neil Lennon should undoubtedly get plaudits for if either of them end up finishing there. Because, you know, I think I wrote an article a while ago saying that if Aberdeen finished second this season, then it's arguably one of McInnes's greatest achievements, maybe more so than winning the Cup. Uh, obviously, if Neil Lennon doesn't have to get promoted, he said himself it's like winning the league title. And I totally agree with him. I genuinely think to, for three of those clubs to go up against it and then have to keep... I know Hearts haven't been great, but hey, they were unbeaten at home this season until they lost to Celtic the weekend. They spiked Celtic yep. as well. Um, and this, obviously this Kilmarnock team, and then you have teams like Motherwell as well. So. I think as well, sorry to interrupt, I think the Hearts thing is quite interesting because I do think they'll be a lot better after the summer. Mm-hmm. Levine will have a pre-season, he'll have got rid of the players maybe who are left from Cathro, who he doesn't want. Um, he'll be able to get the players he wants and stamp his, his identity in that team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to close a 20-point gap on Hibs straight away, but they'll definitely be better than they are right now. So that, that again, is an, another exciting thing for for next season as well and I'm excited to see what Clark does as well because obviously they'll lose Malumbu and stuff like that but I'm excited to ho- see who he can pull from England and what he can do and whether he can keep doing it so especially in a pre-season under his precisely well. and like we, we spoke to some of the Kilmarnock when we did the Gary Dicker uh, interview and he was very confident that Steve Clark would be there and there's no way he's going to have his head turned during the summer um, as in and I'm at the point now where I, I mean I believe him I just can't see him not being there and who would have thought we would have seen him there for the best part of a season and he's going to stay mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. remarkable I think that's a total testament to where the league's at at the moment um, I think uh, yeah and I think not. I think it's important to point out as well that it's not just kind of like a surface level thing either it's not just it's not just us grasping onto a few decent coaches who are here and they might be gone tomorrow a lot of the clubs have got their act together you know um, and, it kind of, and then you know for example I don't want to again just rhyme off all the clubs again but the vast majority of the clubs in the league, even your beloved Thistle, who might be struggling at relegation right now, have got their act together. You know, they've done a really good job in sending out their finances and they're looking to build a training facility, things like that. Well, to be fair, that is down to the weirs. I know, I know, I know, of course, that. but, you know, oh, no, yeah, I think, yeah. they did a lot to kind of cement their position in the Premiership before that, hold on to yeah, Archibald. Yeah, just that year on year and stuff. Yep. Like that, yeah. um, Aberdeen have got their new stadium sorted. Hibs, have just completely turned around. They've kind of just, they've just completely turned around. Basically, like I said, obviously Hearts. We could spend a whole day talking about Rangers, but they're in a lot better position than they were. Obviously, you know when they when they first um, were back in third division and stuff like that. So, and then obviously Celtic are Celtic. So, and then you also have teams like St Mirren who are coming up. And when the clubs, I feel like maybe this is the thing that's only really come recently in, this, in the kind of age of social media where. You see, for example, like what good friend Granson at Motherwell or Scott at Kilmarnock or a lot of the other clubs where, you know, they've got proper media teams behind them and they've got proper pe- people behind the clubs running them well. That filters through the fans, yeah. you know, uh, and, it, it, and it fills them with this kind of sense of, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, to be honest with you, but it's, it, 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 
I, I just I think it's great that we have so many clubs that have been well run first and foremost, and then I think that filters through to how well they're doing to the product they got on the pitch and fans are excited, you know. I think like what you're saying about clubs being sort of more hands on with the media side of things, like it really does help contribute to a sort of environment where like a, it does seem like there's a real cult a real yep. proper football culture based around the league mm-hmm. and that you know anyone can get involved with it and interact with it and basically you know just all you, all you need is a phone yep. you know it's great it's, it's absolutely brilliant and it's really encouraging that clubs are really trying well clubs most clubs for the most part mm-hmm. are trying to engage with their fans and try and just really bring them into the club and you know be a bit more open and inclusive I think it's a really good thing yeah I mean we haven't even mentioned him at all actually in this episode but Stephen Gerrard coming next season we could again we could argue till the cows come home whether he'd be actually a good coach or not but he will drag the whole world attention with him and on top of that yeah and he's bringing Wayne Rooney now so that's, that's good. <laughs> I saw that too that's quite something <laughs> uh, I hate when you sorry. do that you always, you always do that you, you, you get a stupid line in there and just throws me um, I can see you I know because I'm just laughing I'm like what no. we're up but you're right though we'll bring ice to the problem yeah too. and kind of what I, in the article I wrote about Stephen Gerrard and about what I think he's a coach blah blah started off by saying look as what happened when Rodgers joined Celtic, we'll get a huge amount of people for predominantly England, but America, but elsewhere, coming and watching Scottish football from a very, you know, short-sighted, short-hand, you know, impatient point of view. And after a few games, they'll be like, right, I'm not really interested. But you will get some people who are like, actually, this is actually really interesting. And there's a lot of passion here and it's very authentic. I think that's the number one thing yeah. Scottish football has going for it. And I, I tell my friends think they roll my they roll their eyes when I walk in the pub with them, and I will honestly sit down with my back to a TV if the Premier League's on it. That's how much I just can't stand watching English football these days, okay, because okay. because it's so it's not just, I'm not going to sound like somebody hippie here, but there's it does feel like there's less passion, and the games themselves I find boring anyway. Um, but well, here's the thing, right? Half the people in Old Trafford aren't from Manchester; they're just tourists. Well, yeah, example, yeah. That's like pure Brexit. I've got to say that, that's that's sounded very uk Like, Are you trying to tell me, like, that that half the family stand at Ibrox are going to be tourists? Absolutely fucking not. Of course not. Um, (laughs) But no, you're right, and I think that's the one thing Scottish people definitely has going for, the fact that, I mean, unfortunately, people seem, there is still that kind of thing where I can't help thinking sometimes of, like, New Douglas Park or something like that, when with empty stands, and that's, and maybe McDermott Park as well, but, those are maybe more outliers in my opinion these days than anything else. And most, if you got a Scottish football game in the Premiership, it's going to be a it's going to be a stadium that's almost full, and it's going to be a stadium that's absolutely bouncing. And I don't think I think we as Scots who have a world class ability to be dour about ourselves have to kind of take that into consideration. Realize that in a world of football that is becoming more and more sanitized by the day, I'm quite happy that our little pocket of the world is still absolutely mental. Maybe they're one of the nice things you've ever said, Stefan, and I think we're going to stay on that before I make any stupid comments and ruin it. Um, just a quick shout out to what's going on at the site this week, or at the site, even on the site, you know. Um, we've got James's breakdown of which we uh, reference in the podcast of why we should love rather than hate the Premiership split. Uh, I read it, fantastic article, would fully recommend. Uh, Stefan's also looked into Dave King's accusation that Celtic's finances would fold like a pack of cards if they missed out on the Champions League. Again, uh, really interesting read because you've completely fact-checked it. Um, yeah, um, and I know like a lot of people were 
on Twitter starting to say that it's not true. So we've actually went through it. Uh, were they right? Find out. Stefan's fact-checked it on the site. Uh, Lee Scott, you might know him as FM Analysis. He's uh, done his second article for the site, and it's actually a really, really interesting feature uh, on how Hibs have used the transfer market to move past the rivals on the park. Uh, really, really interesting, um, given that his, his background as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, another shout-out for the daily newsletter. We do it every day. We do it every week. But it's really worth signing up to if you've read TLDR in the morning. It's uh, essentially... Uh, all news from throughout the day. It's an updated TLDR, but it'll be nice and conversational, and it just means when you come out of work, you'll be up to date with everything that's going on in the world of Scottish football. Ranked in order of importance, so all the nonsense will be at the bottom, or not on it at all. My favourite part of doing that now is just, like, putting three cheeky things at the bottom. Oh, it's great. Let me think, oh, what was the one for today? Uh, it was some English player... Oh, it was the Wayne Rooney to bloody Rangers thing. I was like the latest hot take from England someone about. Came, someone came up. Uh, do you know what? Someone came up to me from work and they were just they were like, "Oh, is, is it happening?" And I was like, "No, it's a rumor." And then it just would not let it go. I was just like, yeah. "This is hilarious." But yeah. and then what's it? He's on 150 grand a week. Exactly. So, so yeah, it's TLDR is great for basically we we take all the headlines and we run them in order of likely to nonsense. Yeah, exactly. And it's not as as I say, it's pretty succinct. So I would fully recommend. Uh, signing up to that as well and you can find more details about that on the 2.1.com we also post about it on Twitter a lot so there'll be lots of posts about it on there as well and if you want to see what maybe one looks like uh, we put it up on Twitter every day the newsletter so it is want... completely free I know a lot of people listening listen to podcasts but don't sign up to the subscription yeah, website, of course. but yeah. that is free yeah that's a very good point yeah yep. the newsletter doesn't uh, require you to sign up to the site or take out a subscription although you should uh take a free trial and have a look around the site and see what we do because um, there is something something for everybody on the site uh, and as I say you can sign up for a free trial uh, you can keep up to date with everything we're doing on social media at the 2.1 that's on Facebook Twitter and Instagram uh, and again just head over to the website to see where, what we're doing and to see all our, of our subscription plans uh, and finally so I'm just going to take a breath before I do the last <laughs> one I do this every time don't I I go like a million miles an hour we're not running out of time there's it's no really, time limit it's really weird because your there's job no your literal job is to talk on the radio over. I know. Every, I know. every week in the podcast, my, you start fretting out. My, uh, <laughs> my, my voice on the radio is very different than my podcast voice, though, I must say. So, you want to finish the podcast on oh, the radio voice? Oh, let's hear the radio voice. Oh, no, no, I'll say that for next week. When, well, it's, it's not hoarse, so I wouldn't be giving uh, you the, the, okay, full, okay. the full voice. Um, well, you've got the Hugh oh. Jackman voice now, maybe the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, see, I'm coughing now. Uh, no, just leave us some reviews on iTunes as well. It'd be great, uh, the 2.1 cast. But yeah, get, again, thanks for listening. And the three of us will be back next week with another episode of the 2.1 cast. Cheers.